Now, uh, this is our aim, and this is what we want to be as a church. Let me just remind you of those. Our aim is to be those who make disciples of Jesus, who live life together as church family, live in friendship, and we've, we've dealt with that. And this week, who learn to be like Jesus. That's, a, that's pretty small, so let's make it a little bigger. <laughs> Ah, we, we're going to look at what it means to make disciples of Jesus who learn to be like Jesus. Now, next week, it's to live like Jesus. And be like Jesus, live like Jesus. I, th- I think they sort of overlap, don't you? And it doesn't matter hearing stuff twice or whatever. But anyway, we're going to look at that. So what are we especially thinking of today? who learn to be like Jesus in his character. You know, an amazing thing happens when you become a believer in Jesus. You are adopted into the family of God. You become a child of God, a daughter or son of God. Isn't that amazing? It obviously isn't. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> it is. Somebody said amen. Yeah, it is. It is amazing that you become a child of God. And you're, who's, your, who's your greatest brother? Jesus. Absolutely. We're part of this amazing, wonderful family that God is putting together. We become a member of the family of God. Now, when we talk about character and we think about family, hmm, what is nature? Because I'm part of the family. And what is nurture? Because I'm taught it. Now, recently, I had a birthday. My younger grandson decided to send me this card. Granddad. I've just heard how old you are. That's unbelievable. (laughs) And people say, where does he get it from? You know, this sort of humour runs in the family. It's sort of my humour, and it's my son's humour, and it's his son's humour. So what is nature? because he happens to be a member of our tribe, so to speak, or what is nurture? What has he learned? You know, I think, come on, grandson, you know. (laughs) So that's the whole thing. What is nature and what is nurture in terms of us, us developing the character of Jesus? Ah, but I think we need to go back a little bit. What is the character of Jesus? Now, I'm going to describe. How can I describe the character of Jesus? I'm going to put up some words. If you're taking notes, I would say don't bother to write them down. These are my, these are, this is, this is me. It's random. It's not in order. But I want us to look this morning right now, at the magnificence of Jesus. 
Because it's all about him, isn't it? It's all about you, Jesus. We sing that so often. It's all about Jesus. So, what is Jesus' character? Well, first of all, he's loving. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Everything Jesus did was motivated out of love, love for people, love for the individual, love for adults, love for children, love, love, love. Jesus was compassionate. When, when people cried out to him, he, had, he, he went out towards them and he healed them. It said that he looked at the crowds and they were like sheep without shepherd. They were lost and he had compassion on the crowd. He was merciful. Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And because he was, he was blind and he was a beggar and he was despised and, and he, Jesus called him to him and had mercy on him as he healed him. Jesus was kind. Isn't that, isn't that just what Jesus is? Wherever he met people, it didn't matter what they were like, it didn't matter who they were, he was kind and merciful to them. He was strong. Jesus was strong in that, that he could, he could face the cross, but he was strong in that he, he faced Satan out in the wilderness and he stood up to that. There was nothing weak in that sense about Jesus' character. He was strong and yet he was gentle. When he said to the, to the little girl, dead, Talithkum, little girl, get up. How gentle was that? He was holy. He is holy. When, when Peter caught that miraculous catch of fish and he went back onto the shore and then he said to Jesus, you've got to go away because I'm sinful. Because you're holy. You're different. Jesus was righteous in all his ways. He dealt with people equally. What an amazing thing. No difference in that. He did everything that was right. But he was just. He didn't let sin go unnoticed. He said to the woman who was caught in adultery, I don't condemn you. Don't do it again. Absolutely just. Treated people equally. Whether it was that woman or the rich or the poor or the children. He was pure. They could find no wrong in him, could they? They They looked for sin in Jesus. They looked for faults in Jesus. When when it got to the Sanhedrin before his crucifixion, they couldn't find any fault in him. There was a purity about him. Wasn't he patient? He had those 12 men, men that he was with for three years-ish, who didn't learn very quickly, who made mistakes. One betrayed him. One denied him. And he was still patient with them. What an amazing man Jesus was. Forgiving. And even as they nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, 
They don't know what they're doing. I heard on the radio just this morning that we're not a forgiving society. But Jesus was the most forgiving man. Well, go on. My goodness, there's so much. He was purposeful. He committed himself to what God, his Father, had planned for him. He, he fulfilled the purposes that Father had for him. He was passionate. He was passionate about the things of God. He was passionate as he went into the temple and he saw the traders there. He was passionate as he cleared them out. My father's house should be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. The passion of Jesus. He was totally uncompromising. He could look at his critics in the face and he'd say... The sort of things that we don't say, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. A bit different to gentle Jesus, make a mild, but it's all part of it. Totally uncompromised. He was courageous as he faced the cross. What courage did that take? Or in a lesser sense, as he stepped out on the lake and walked on the water. He was totally committed to his father's will. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. I say what my father says. Totally committed to his father's will. And yet he was tender. He was such a man that little kids could run up to him and he would take them up in his arms and bless them. Faithful in all his ways. Reflecting the faith of his, faithfulness of his father. He was faithful in pursuing what the father wanted. Totally trustworthy. Are you going to go away, he said, when crowds left him? Peter said, where can we go? You've got the words of eternal life. We trust you. Honest. Do you know, even one time he, he made sure they had coins to pay the taxes. It may seem a little thing to us, but he was not going to be anything but honest even in that and he was true and it, that's why he could say I am the truth God's true word to you yes backed up by my life here totally dependable when he'd sent out his disciples on mission they could come back and depend that he was there and would help them. Utterly dependable, self-giving in all that he did. Do you know I could go on and on? This is Jesus. Folks, this is Jesus. Isn't he, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he great? Isn't he marvellous? 
This is the Jesus we're praising. This is the Jesus who loved him, loved you so much that he gave himself for you. This is Jesus. This morning again, think of the wonder of who Jesus is. This is his character. Wow. Oh, and we could go on. But we're talking about being disciples who, who live like Jesus. How can I be like Jesus? That's, that's his character. How ever can I be like that? Oh, time we had some scripture, isn't it? Here we go. <laughs> Romans 8, verses 12 to 17. Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it's not to the flesh. I put sinful nature there. The earlier versions of NIV had sinful nature. It's reverted back to the literal translation of flesh, but that's what flesh means, the sinful nature. Nature. It is not to the flesh to live according to it. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you, you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now, yeah, I told you that was true, didn't I? That's what happened to us. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There's so much in that passage that I could say. But let's focus on this. We're talking about living like Jesus in terms of his character. In Romans 8.13, there are two things that we can notice. First of all, our part is put to death. If you like, that's the nurture part. To put to death the things of our sinful nature. Now that sounds very negative, doesn't it? Now, what happens in your garden? You've got your lovely plants, and what comes amongst them? Weeds. You don't pull out your plants, do you? You pull out the weeds. Correct? Even I'm a gardener, know that. But when you pull out the weeds, you allow the good things to grow. Yeah. So if we begin to pull out the, the weeds in our life, then that will allow the good things to grow. Very simple. So that's one thing. And then God's part, by the Spirit. Paul says, if by the Spirit we put to death the things of the flesh. So that's the nature bit. Okay. What's our part? 
Now, before I go any further, I, I don't want this to sound like a self-help manual. There's a lot of self-help stuff around, and that's not what this is about. We've got to remember that we're not alone in this, and we've already said that. But let me give you three, three things here. First, be definite about what you feel needs to change. You know, we, uh, Heather and I, we were, we were at a relational mission meeting on, on Thursday, where, as I said, Steph Liston was uh, leading us. And we broke down into small groups. And actually, actually, what we were discussing, we were discussing the sort of things that hinder us in our, in our, in our Christian life, in what we do, uh, even in our church life. And it, it, we were just in a very small group. And uh, this guy uh, suddenly said... Um, God delivered me from pornography. Which was a bit of a shock. Because in these things, you tend to sort of talk generally, don't you? And the, thing, the examples that you can give are a bit bland at times. Now, this, this fellow, he said, I was addicted to pornography. And he said, ten years ago... God delivered me out of it. Now, he had identified, and he was quite open in what he said, he had identified what was in his life that he knew was holding him back. And he, he said, I was determined to do something about it. Now, I'm not going to go into all, all what he said, but you can see the principle here. He said, I was determined to change. Actually, he said, now God uses me to help other, mostly men, get free of that particular addiction. And he said, it is an addiction. Because you look at it, and then you want to look at it more, and then even more, and what you thought you were controlling begins to control you. And actually, he said, we were a, we were a gathering of, what, 30 people? And he said, I guess there's at least one, if not more people, suffering from that here which was a shock. Now, I don't know if that's true in our gathering here, but we all have the issues in our lives that we need to tackle. And it could be something like that, because these things are kept under wrap. But it may be other things. When I, when I was a little one, I had red hair. And you know what goes with... You, oh, you may not, I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> but you know what goes with red hair? Proverbially, anyway. A temper. And I had a temper. My mother used to say, you'll kill somebody someday. Because it's pretty violent. And, well, <laughs> that's quite all right. <laughs> 
quite all right, don't worry. Anyway, you have to identify that, don't you? You have to work on it. So, be definite. I don't know what God may point something out to you this morning. It might be, inverted commas, serious. It might be, inverted commas, simple. But if it stops you being like Jesus, it is, no inverted commas, important. Be definite about about what you feel needs to change. Be determined to see it through. This guy was. He said, I had to work on it and work on it with the help of others. It wasn't an easy thing. But he said, I got there. And now I can help other guys in the same place. And be decisive in real life situations. If you've got a temper and you feel it coming up, learn how to count ten. Yeah, quite simple. Just learn how to count ten. Might not be easy to do, but the principle is there. Be decisive. Be definite, be determined, and be decisive. But this isn't a self-help exercise. We're not about that here. There's God's part. And he enlightens us about what needs to change. You know, you can be going along all right, can't you? And everything seems to be fine. And then suddenly, God puts his finger on something. And you think, I've got to deal with that. If you want to be like Jesus, that's what's going to happen. Sometime or other, God is going to say, Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. You need to deal with that. And that's the Holy Spirit bringing something to you. But, praise God, he doesn't leave us to do it by ourselves. He empowers us to make the change. We're not about self-help. We're about God's help. He points it out. He can help you bring that change. Paul says it is by the Spirit we put to death. Paul knows that you cannot, we cannot do it by ourselves. We need the help of God himself so that we become like Jesus. Thank God for that. This is a bit heavy, isn't it? But it's real. It's real. We do have things in our lives that have to change. But thank God he's there to help us make the change that he wants to bring about. And he encourages us as we we begin to change. I believe he did. And that, that encouragement can come in all sorts of ways. 
It may come through, through your own understanding of where you're getting to. It may come through the remarks of other people. People might say, hmm, you, feel, you, you feel more, seem more at ease than you used to be. And you think, yeah, thank you, Lord. That's, that's the Spirit encouraging us to be like Jesus. Maybe to us, through ourselves or through other people or through the Word of God or whatever. The Spirit encourages us. Now, this is what it's about, to be the character of Jesus. We've, we've seen that wonderful, wonderful person who Jesus is. And we've also seen that by ourselves we cannot, cannot, cannot be like him. But actually, the Holy Spirit comes to us. And one of the things that he wants to do is to make what is true in, <laughs> in truth, if you like, we're a new creation. That's what we are. But he wants to make that real to make that real in our life and experience. And actually, that's an individual thing, but it's also a together thing. That as we allow the Spirit to deal with us individually, and as we encourage one another together, and as we pray for one another, minister to one another, listen to what God says to us, then together, as well as individually, we become like Jesus. We become what we are, the body of Christ, here in Beckles and beyond. We become what we are, the portrait, if you like, of Jesus to those who don't know him. People, people should be able to say to us, what is it about you folks that makes you like you are? What is it about you folks that makes you act and be as you, as you are? And the answer is quite simple. It's one word. Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So, Whatever God points out to you in your life, go with it. Because it's great. Let me finish with another, another verse which would take ages to unpack. But let's just, let's just leave it as it is. Paul writes to the Corinthians in his second letter, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's a verse that's often taken out of context, but we won't go into that. Um, and we all, notice, we all, who with unfailed faces contemplate the Lord's glory, let's put that into ordinary language, we all who by faith look at Jesus are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Isn't that good? You're not left as you are. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, ever-increasing likeness, becoming more and more like him, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Actually, what the Spirit begins, 
he'll bring right through to completion. So if God's pointing something out to you, even this morning, and it could be as serious as pornography, or it could be something which other people think is quite minor, but to you it's very important, whatever it is, take heart, take courage, that what the Spirit begins, he'll take through, and we'll become like Jesus. A bit more. Will we ever get there? Well, I don't know. Not until we see him face to face. But the Spirit helps us to have a good go at it. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Amen.